Hello again, friends. Nick Hammond here, and you're listening to Around the World in 80 Cigars, the podcast, and you're listening to Chirping Sparrows outside my window, the cheerful little fellows. Um, but hey, who needs production values when you can just have a chat with your friends? You can also hear next door neighbours' kids playing, I think, uh, running around in the garden, which is always a pleasant sound. Uh, chap I'm introducing you today is a very good friend of mine, and I can't really think of about him without having a smile on my face. He's a, he's a really great chap. He um, He's a very charming man. Everybody loves him. Um, and I've been lucky enough to spend some time with him, getting to know him and his family. Um, and they were good enough to ask me to... Um, to carry out perhaps the greatest project of my career. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to Juan Martinez of Hoya de Nicaragua Cigars. Juan, how are you? I'm great, I'm flattered, my friend. Thank you for having <laughs> me and thank you for those kind, kind words. Uh, I didn't know that you, you were also a fiction writer, apparently, uh-huh. but uh, I appreciate that, my friend. <laughs> I, lo- I love you back. You know every word is true. So, so how are you? You're in your, your garden at home. Uh, yes. We're going to have a, a bird singing competition in a little bit. Apparently. <laughs> what can you... Oh, yeah. That's there good. Go. That's good. Yeah. What bird is that? Um, I actually don't know what that, that bird was. Uh, I don't know. I'll, when, I, when I look at it, I'll tell you. Okay. So how are things with you? Things are okay. Things are okay. I think uh, we're we're in a very interesting times. I think uh, we are in 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 those one of the few moments in our generations where um, change is going to be inevitable. And I think that even in the midst of so many tragedy, so much tragedy and the humanitarian crisis that we have in front of us, and that many many people around the world are living, I think uh, I think uh, we are we are being forced to step down and, and, and put our feet on the ground and, and see the reality of the world that we live in and, uh, and slow down and, 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 and be grounded and be responsible and be, and be more humane, I think. So right now, it's, it's, you know, it's a mix of feelings, I think, for everybody. On the one mm-hmm. side, looking at the numbers and, and, and only being concerned for, for the people who are in the front line and the families of the people who are, who are sick and, 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 and ill and the families of the people who are working to protect them and to protect all of us from the medics, the nurses, um, the, the, the policemen, the firemen all over the world who are, who are guaranteeing the, the safety of everybody. Uh, but at the same time, being stuck at home, uh, most everybody has found time to to reconnect with themselves, with their families, uh, or, or to find their true nature isolated in, in, in four walls. So it's, I think it's, a, it's an interesting moment we are at, and uh, it's going to be, a, without a doubt, a, a game changer. I don't think that the world's going to be the same place uh, after this, this few months, and hopefully, hopefully, it's going to be a much, much better place, a more humane, more responsible, more grounded, I think. Uh, Many uh, political theories that have spun up in the last few years around uh, sensible topics like uh, um, inequality, like um, the environment, like globalization mm-hmm. are being put to the test and those theories are being debunked or confirmed. And I think that uh, coming out of this will we'll be forced to rethink how, how we're doing things. And uh, as as good humans that we are, we're gonna do it much better. Yeah, I think you're you're absolutely right. And there's a you know bound to be some change as a result of this. And it's just interesting from my perspective to hear from different people around the world and how they're getting on and how it's affecting them. I mean, Nicaragua, as far as I know, has only had a single case, haven't they, so far? But are sort of trying to do their best to prepare. Um, stop the worst of it is that right um yes the numbers the official numbers are are questionable uh mainly because they're not applying tests so if you're not testing you're not getting the numbers so up to today um 
we only have six confirmed cases, of which three continue to be active, two have been uh, recovered, and one has passed away. Right. Uh, for, for our dear government, all of that amounts only to three cases, which is, doesn't really make sense. But um, And they argue that all of those cases have been imported from, from, from other places, so there's no... They call it, uh, you know, local transmission, community transmission. Uh, anecdotally, when you talk to doctors, when you talk to nurses, when you talk to people on the healthcare system, there has been an increase in respiratory illnesses, pneumonia, but they just don't register it as uh, because they're not doing the tests. Uh, sure. The reason behind that is 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 we really don't know. But, but then again, we have a very special government if you want that uh, manages to do things as they wish and, and we're the only country in the world that that hasn't closed down uh schools uh really? they they have closed it just because this is this week is holy week uh and people were not sending their children to school so it's a combination of those two things but they're to be reopened next week uh they continue to promote uh, large gatherings. They continue to promote people to, to go on holidays and go out and go to parties and celebrations wow. and festivals. And they continue to do it. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's a complicated situation because we come from, from another crisis, local crisis. So we're, we're compounding a crisis on top of another one. Yeah. Uh, and they are being forced to uh, put the economy and their political strength on top of the health of people. Uh, but as many, many experts around the world have, have, have uh, pointed out, this is the wrong measure because the economy is going to be worth it when people are, are, are dying and people are suffering. So you see the contrast with other countries in the region, like El Salvador, Costa Rica, who are our neighbors to the north and to the south, in Honduras to the north also. They are, they've been in lockdown for, for a couple of weeks now and they put their, their livelihood and the safety of their people first. And yeah. uh, unfortunately, uh, this is not something that, that's happening in Nicaragua. Uh, but that doesn't mean that, uh, that nothing is happening. It means that we as families, we as Nicaraguans and our companies and our organizations and our households have, have taken the responsibility of uh, prevention and protecting, uh, for example, in our industry, in the cigar making, uh, we've implemented the first safety protocols uh, since early March, uh, taking temperature, monitoring the, the health of everybody, really? uh, putting, uh, you know, alcohol and soap all over the place and, and training and educating people so that they can replicate those preventive measures also at home and in the streets. Because it's important. It doesn't. It's not. It's useless if you do it at workplace if they don't replicate it at home. Exactly. Uh, we we started doing it collectively very early in March. Uh, last week we decided to 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 take people out of work for an early week, early vacation, so that we can join it with Holy Week uh, this week, so that people could stay at home for at least two weeks in what we expected to be a the potential of, of increase of of, of cases. So that people could remain home without coming to work. Uh, remember, cigar making—it's uh, close to forty thousand people just in Esteli, uh, in very close proximity to each other. In yeah. cigar making, in the case of Joya de Nicaragua, our factory, we have around three hundred people in, in the factory. There are companies that have five hundred, two thousand people in their facilities. So it was a very conscious decision to make sure that people were were a little bit isolated. Um, you you have people arguing that that they had they were at higher risk at home than at the workplace. Yeah. I, I don't necessarily subscribe to that theory because you at least while they're at home, uh, everybody is isolated and they responsible who ones who do want to protect themselves will will not. But after in the workplace, you are exposing both the responsible and the responsible ones. Uh, so in the end, I think it was the best measure. Uh, we're supposed to be opening back next week, but uh, it all depends on how the situation is. Uh, the good news of all of this is that our people are safe. Um, um, they're healthy and everybody's very conscious at all levels. Uh, it doesn't matter what your uh, 
economic background or your political background is, everybody is con is conscious, is concerned. Um, you know, because we understand as Nicaraguans that, that we're not the first world nation. We're not the UK. We're not the US. We're not, you know, we're not even Spain or Italy. And our health system is, is very limited. And uh, if, if we do get hit, it could be very, very dramatic. So I think yes. people are very conscious and being responsible. Uh, all of us are isolated also. We're trying to stay home, uh, trying to isolate our families, kids, and, and obviously the, the most vulnerable ones. So, you know, there's, uh, there's many, many things to this situation. There is. I mean, are you any idea how long you're going to be in lockdown for? Have you made a decision on that yet? Because at the minute you're taking sort of preemptive measures, <clears throat> which is very sensible, but you don't really know how long to do it for, do you? No, no, we don't. We don't have a guidance. We are just uh, trying to follow up uh, the, the limited scientific advice that we have locally and from medics. Uh, the, the private sector has taken a lead in this process and we're basically guiding ourselves for what's happening outside of our borders. So uh, we're trying to replicate as much as, 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 as we can. Um, it's supposed to, I heard this morning that uh, we expect cases to peak around mid-April, late April. So I imagine that uh, we'll have, the whole month of April is going to be lost. And yeah. after that, coming back to normal, it's going to be, it's going to be hard. You know, I think uh, uh, everywhere in the world, the world, the, the way that we come back in line, it's going to be, it's going to be different. So right now our, our priority is if we do come back to work at the factory, how are we going to do it? What are going to be the measures that we're going to strength other than the ones that we already had in place? Uh, so we're probably going to have people more spread out. We're going to separate them more. Uh, we're going to have probably shifts or, or groups. We still don't know yet what the logistical part will be. So we're thinking about those terms. But I think the whole month of April is going to be, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be lost at least uh, in, 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 the, in, in going out and being free to roam the streets. I suppose on a more cheerful note, yes. lots of people have got time to... Uh sit down with a good cigar and I know for me as it does with anything in my life cigars have come to the rescue um, and you know once the day's done and I've done what I can and need to do and looked after whoever I can and you know done the best that I can I can sit down with a good cigar and forget about the madness for a while Yes, uh, I think uh, the same with the same with me. I think the same with everybody. Um, mm. I think people have people have had more time um, to spend at home uh, to enjoy the company of their loved ones. Uh, these their their close family. Uh, read a good book. Uh, we 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 made available uh, your masterpiece uh, or or joint masterpiece for uh, free online reading for everybody. And, and so far, I think uh, more than 600 people have gained access to the book uh, in the past week. And they've gotten to read the, the book and enjoy the, that, 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 that artwork, which is never the same to have the book online than to have it uh, in, 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 in physical, but at least you get, to, you get to enjoy it if you don't get access to it. And, 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 and they do it also while, while enjoying a good cigar. I, people have shared pictures of them drinking something or smoking the cigar and reading the book in their tablets and their computers. Okay. Uh, so that's, it's, it's fun. It's fun to see that people are, 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 are enjoying. They're connecting also in, in, in a very interesting way. I've seen a surge in, 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 in virtual herbs and people doing live events and tastings yeah. and, and being connected. I've been part of a couple, and this week I'll be part of a, a couple of other virtual lounges. So it's a new dimension of enjoying cigars. It's something that's, you know, it's very physical and very present. Uh, uh, you have to be very present. And now you connect it virtually. It's, it's, it's interesting, and, and it's, it's sort of uh, establishing new ways of, of, of enjoying certain pleasures in life, including, including cigars. So I think even though people are not uh, necessarily... Um, going out they have more time to spend and enjoy a cigar at home uh you know some people are not going to bars or coffee places or restaurants and they decide to spend their budget on on cigars maybe or or 
they plead their own their own stash of cigars. So so I, I we see we are seeing that people are consuming more primarily from online or or just pick up places. Uh, they go just pick up the cigars and they they go out, and they don't know they're not staying at the shops or at the lounges, but they're smoking uh, home. So that's it, that's that's quite refreshing to see, and, and I think that. Uh, um, People will find that uh, in the midst of, uh, as you were saying, in the midst of such much uncertainty and bad news and, and overwhelm of information, they they have time to stop, pause, reflect, and and read a good book or or drink a good coffee or drink a good tea or drink a good beer or wine, and 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 you know spend the time. It's it's. For some people, it's harder. I, we are lucky ones. You and I are lucky ones because we have gardens and we have, you know, wider spaces. For the people who are stuck in buildings uh, with maybe a balcony or if any uh, windows, it's 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 tougher. But I think that people are finding ways. There, people are being creative. People are 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 are, are finding ways to continue socializing and enjoying the moment. Yeah, absolutely, and it. It is amazing what people, <laughs> you've obviously seen the same clips I have of, you know, Italians singing opera to each other over the balconies and stuff, which is amazing. But yes, it's a good point you raise about the book. And the book we talk about um, is, is uh, Cinco de Cardas, The Rise of the Nicaraguan Cigar, which um, was published in late 2018 and was to celebrate the 50th anniversary of, uh, of the factory Hoya. Um, which is the oldest in Nicaragua, um, and which I uh, which, which I wrote. So we spent a lot of time putting that together and, and, and sort of coming at it from all sorts of angles to find exactly how we wanted to tell the story. Uh, and if you haven't seen the book anywhere, um, then definitely worth you um, logging on to the Hoya website and finding that link while you still can, and you can download it and have a look. But really and truly, as one says, you don't get a, a, the full glory until it's actually in your hands. And it is a, just a beautiful, beautiful looking thing, really beautifully made. I know, one you've had issues trying to get it sort of listed so that people can buy it. Um, lots of people have come to me and said, where can I get the book? I want to buy it. But it's just hard for them to get their hands on it. Are there any updates on that? Uh <laughs> Tough, man. Yeah, well, we've had some some challenges on getting it because we wanted to make it as direct as possible without going to to through distributors. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, as we are not in the in the book publishing business or in the writing business, it's it hasn't necessarily gone through as smoothly. Uh, <laughs> right now, it's available online for for free reading, and uh, I think it's, it's it's a fair approximation to the experience. It's available at a www.astoryofresilience.com, and uh, just to just to sidetrack a little bit, uh, we decided to to use that that name, a story of resilience, because in a way the the the, the story that you capture in the book and the way that you present it, um, you know, the basis is on how Nicaraguans and how the Nicaraguan people and how the country has has been resilient overcoming challenges. And obstacles and, and and tragedies over its history, and continues to work hard and 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 dust off the past and 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 work and move towards a brighter future. And that's something that we want people to to be aware of. That uh, doesn't matter how how dramatic the situation is and becomes and will be, uh, will very likely come out of it stronger. Uh, mm. Very likely, will come out of it. Uh, better as as a community as societies as countries uh, many many changes will come uh, but from that we need to be hopeful that uh, that we're going to be better and that our people are going to be better so resilience is that term that we we want to share with people that we want to make people aware that that's something inherent to our human character but that we need to practice it that a lot of people haven't a lot of people a lot of countries in the world have been used to you know Things happening smoothly, things happening without a hitch, and uh, they don't question their their basic needs, their basic access to to, to many things. Uh, those of us who've had challenges do are used to that, um, and we know that you know the tide will turn, and and, and we're gonna come out of the other side, uh, hopefully uh, better, 
And uh, so that's a, that's a way to, to teach with people or to share with people that this concept of resilience that's becoming popular these days and that, uh, that we, need to, we need to practice it, we need to develop it because this is one of the challenges that we as a world will continue to have, but probably will have many, many more in the future. Uh, so yeah, the, the book is available for to read. Uh, it's available through some of our distributors. It's available through, I think, Tor Imports in the UK has it available. It's available at certain shops around the world. It's available uh, so we can get it to people. It's not right now. It's not available at Amazon.com or the big booksellers yet. Right. Um, so it's 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 a it's a situation of making it available through their you know through their proper structure of, of the of the of the um, uh, distribution chains. Okay. I mean, you're right to pick up that point that you've, you know, used it for the website and stuff. That, that word resilience is just a, is the, is, is the, the one thing that summed up the whole experience for me. And every time we delved a bit further into the history, you were saying, Oh yeah. And then, you know, there was a hurricane then, and then there was a, a mudslide in that year. And, uh, and then the whole city was wiped out by an earthquake that, you know, this year and stretching back over hundreds of years. And it just seemed extraordinary to me that every time, it seemed every time the country appeared to sort of pick itself up, get on its feet, it would be knocked down again, but never stop that, you know, that will to just sort of dust themselves off and, and get going again. Just to give you, it's, it's, it's almost funny, man, on, on how, you know, yeah. there was one year that we had, this was like four or five years ago, we had a hurricane coming into the Caribbean uh, in the middle of the Zika outbreak you know, the, the epidemic, this was like September 2016 or 2015, I don't remember. We had a hurricane coming through the Caribbean in the middle of a, a health epidemic. And then we had an earthquake on the Pacific coast, just as the hurricane was hitting land in the Atlantic and a tsunami alert coming into the, uh, into the, after the earthquake. And all of this was happening live while everybody was, you know, looking at the news on, on how the hurricane was coming in. And of that tragedy, of those, like, four different, uh, you know, threats that we had, we, there was one, only one person who passed away in this, whole, uh, uh, in this whole situation. One person. And she passed away because she was... Um, she had a heart attack when the, the, the tsunami... Uh, the tsunami alert came off in the, one of the coasts and she was, she just, you know, it was a result of a heart attack from the scare of the alarms than from the actual catastrophes. Right. Uh, so, you know, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it, you know, you go back to, to 1999, which is, is, uh, I think from the book and, and from our own experience, one of the uh, most challenges periods of, of, of our industry in 1998, when um, after the cigar boom, uh, or when the cigar boom was ending, and, and it was like the, the the growth, the exponential growth of the Nicaraguan cigar industry, as a result of the cigar boom in the in the United States and the rest of the world, when the boom ended, uh, suddenly you had you went from from the top of the world to having no markets, and at the same time, in October 1998, we had a Hurricane Mitch hitting over uh, southern Honduras and northern part of Nicaragua. And this was a Category 5 hurricane that decided to, to position and stop its park itself on top of the countries. And it basically caused the lives of hundreds of thousands of, of people. Esteli was devastated. Uh, Jalapa was devastated. It flooded. Uh, the, the city was cut down communication from, from, from the rest of the country. Uh, so... Not only was the industry hit because of, of the market uh, coming down with the end of the cigar boom, but now because of the natural catastrophe. So imagine this context of ending the millennia or, or, or the century, the 1900s, uh, in 1999, trying to pick up the pieces. And, and that was a tough time. And here we are, you know, that was 20 years ago. Uh, and, and we still are here and, and stronger than ever as a collective, as an industry. Now our industry is, is the most important cigar 
making uh, industry in the world. We have the best cigars in the world coming from Nicaragua, using Nicaraguan tobacco. We have the best talent in the world making cigars in Nicaragua. In those places where people have suffered yet have overcome so many challenges in, in, in their short generations. Absolutely. Um, it's extraordinary. And in all of that, we haven't even mentioned the revolution, of course, which was, you know, as big as a uh, society upheaval as you could possibly imagine. Um, and the, and all, everything that went with it, with the American embargo and, and the Contra affair and everything. So it's just extraordinary when you sort of begin to delve under the surface of Nicaragua and what you find that happened and been going on for such a long time. Um, it's just I think one of the sorry one of go on the, sorry just wanted to mention that one of the things that that of course we as a as a developing country or third world nation or whatever you want to call us um, you know a, a country that still has a long way to go in terms of of economic growth and richness and all that and one of the things that you do develop as a society and as a community and, and as people. Not only the resilience that you were mentioning, but also the strength of character mm. uh, to face those challenges. Um, you know, you, the, 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 the more that you practice those muscles, those emotional, psychological, and physical muscles, the more apt you are to overcome the next challenges that that, that you're faced with. And Nicaraguans have been very, very good at that, uh, practicing those 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 muscles and and the empathy and the solidarity and the unity that comes after all of those tragedies and and challenges that in a way make you more conscious that that the world is not a perfect place uh, that we are not isolated that we don't live in bubbles that you know connects to some of the feelings that many people are, are feeling today that many people were not expecting because that that's something impossible you see places i talk with friends in in the united states whose lives have been, you know, changed because they are right now on martial, under martial law or, or, or lockdown that they cannot go out after 8 p.m. or 5 p.m. because they, they are arrested. Wow. This is something unconceivable for the Americans, for, for our friends in the United States. It's almost impossible to think that they were going to face in their homeland a situation so dramatic like this. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's true. It is true, and this, 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 the, today the world is teaching us, Mother Nature is teaching us, the universe is teaching us that we are not invincible, that we might be strong, we might be creative, we might be smart as species, but we're not invincible. And that's something that countries like ours, Honduras, Nicaragua, the DR, Cuba, uh, have learned in the past, that we are not invincible. We are, uh, you know, we are, we are faced with challenges from nature, but we also face face with challenges from humans, from ourselves, from our leaders, from our communities, from our you know uh, from our neighbors. Um, so I think the more that you practice all of these muscles, emotional muscles, uh, and and in two thousand eighteen we had a very strong uh, social political crisis down here, uh, more political than anything. And in those period, in that period, we sort of executed and practice a lot of the measures that now seem almost natural for us to apply in the face of a global tragedy mm -hmm. uh of a global crisis so in a way that was like the the, the training or the the warming up to to this uh this is obviously at a global exponential scale uh but at that back then we were not we were not thinking that we're going to be prepared for in two years something that was going to be much much different so if you talk to Nicaraguans today, that's something that you will find, that people, even in the midst of so much uh, uncertainty and tragedy, people are optimistic. People see that this is another challenge that we practice, that we train for, and there's going to be a next one. In a few years or sooner or later, there's going to be a next one. Yeah, it's a good point. And, and, and you're right. I think in a lot of Western, uh, Western countries, for one of the better description i think we've been quite spoiled over the years and yeah there's a lot of people who expect um, you know this standard of living to come for nothing and when something goes wrong we're not very good at dealing with it and um whereas as you say you guys have had a lot of practice yes well but at the same time it's you know i i feel bad because um 
this year probably I won't be able to see a lot of friends and a lot of families. Uh, this year we won't be able to connect with people from around the world that we used to. Trade shows are being canceled. Events have been canceled. So we don't we don't get to enjoy the company that we get at least once or a couple times per year uh, of the people who who we care for and who we can engage and 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 have a connection. So so I think this year's it's tough also in that way uh, because we're not able to live a normal a normal life. Anybody nobody can live it. No, that's true, and it, it, I'm definitely beginning to miss that. You know, the, the, just the fact of popping out to do something and interact with people, you know, in more than just a sort of very cursory level. It's really quite difficult after a while. And I'm somebody who's quite a private person, you know, I'm quite happy on my own company, but yeah, it's strange. You wouldn't, you wouldn't want it to go on for very long, but um, what, what how are your cigars selling? What's the big seller for Hoyer at the moment? I mean, I know you've sort of, you've, um, reorganized the brand as it were the different stables of cigars into so that it sort of made more sense as it were from different times of day and profiles and strengths what, what's the latest on the actual cigars um the last couple of years have been having a blessing for us uh in the sense that our, our brands have been recognized by, by by many people for for their outstanding quality and and, and, and their um, right now, what's doing really, really well is Antaño Sete, which is a cigar that we introduced last year, and it was named uh, Cigar of the Year by Half Wheel last year and by a couple of other uh, popular cigar media, online media, and has been growing very, very uh, strongly uh, this past few months. And I think that the, 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 the explanation with this brand has to do with uh, where it comes from. It's, a, it's an Antaño, which is there are family of cigars that it's, it tends to be very, it tends to be stronger, mm. fuller bodied, more robust, more uh, rustic in their profile, but combined with a Connecticut shade wrapper, which sort of mellows it down a little bit and it makes it a little bit more smooth and creamy. So it's the contrast, I think, of the two of the two cigars. Originally, with Antonio Sete, we were aiming for a a full bodied, strong. A Connecticut shade cigar. <coughs> Unfortunately, uh, we were not able to get it at the point that we wanted to. To the point that um, Mario, our, our factory manager, at, at one point after we were testing samples, he he said, um, "You know, this this is sort of like the white man can't jump project. <laughs> Let's be realistic. There's so much you can do with a Connecticut shade light wrapper." Because of the characteristic, the inherent characteristic of the wrapper, which is it's thin, it's silky, uh, it's wide, it's big, but it doesn't contain a lot of nicotine nor a lot of uh, flavor to it, um, in or a lot of uh, punch to it. Uh, so generally, you'll find lighter shade cigars to be more uh, Connecticut shade cigars to be more in the lighter side. But we were complementing it, it with uh, Nicaraguan fillers. So eventually we got a, a fantastic cigar, not as strong as we wanted it to be, but strong enough uh, to make it an outstanding smoke. So that, that's doing really, really well right now. And with cool. it, the whole Antonio family, and, and I think it's good because it's bringing it back to our course, which is Nicaraguan tobacco. Uh, over the past few years, we've been experimenting with tobaccos from different origins, from, from Ecuador, Mexico, Dominican, um, but our core has always been Nicaraguan tobacco. So um, the success of Antonio, it's, it's, it's a, a good reflection of people gravitating more and more towards Nicaraguan tobacco, even more than what we had uh, in the past years. Yeah, I love the Antonio. It's a, and then, of course, the story is a great story behind it as well with Don Lionel. We talk about that in the book, which is worth, worth looking up. I remember, um, yes. is it, what's the little, the little um, Antonio, is it the Machitas? Machito, yes. Machito. And I remember <laughs> foolishly having uh, been, been in Nicaragua for a few days and we were working working hard, doing interviews all day long and I was a bit jaded, but I came in after breakfast, so right, let me get another day of work in the factory and you know, go around and interview these guys. Uh, and I remember... I thought it was a good idea for some reason to light up a machito, which is a sort of breakfast time. And 
nearly took my head off. And that is a, you know, that's about the, that size as well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it, it sneaks on you. It really it's does. And I remember sort of putting it down halfway through the interview and feeling, feeling the, you know, a hand trembling and thinking, right, I better just put that down for a moment. <laughs> but what a great cigar. I love that stick. And I'm talking of the factory and everybody in it. I mean, I still think very fondly of those times. And, it, and I can't wait for when I can get back to see you and then walk back in the, in the rolling room there. T tell people who perhaps don't know a just a little bit about the history of you know, of the, of the factory itself? Um, well, it's, uh, the factory was established originally in 1968. It was founded by two Cuban immigrants uh, who came down to Nicaragua after the, the Cuban Revolution, uh, Juan Francisco Hermejo and Simón Camacho. Uh, one was more towards the trade, the commercial part, Simón Camacho, and Juan Francisco Armejo was more of the into tobacco growing and, and cigar making in Cuba. Uh, so after the Cuban Revolution, a lot of emigrants went to the Dominican Republic, Honduras, and some came to Nicaragua. And um, while there was tobacco growing, air-cured tobacco for cigar making in Nicaragua during the beginning of the 1960s, middle of the 1960s, Cigars were not being rolled. The tobacco was used mostly for um, cigar making in, in the U.S. It was exported to Tampa, Jacksonville, and other places where uh, cigar factories were existed. Um, but by 1968, these two gentlemen decided to establish Nicaragua Cigar Company. Actually, on, on February 29th, 1968, a, a, a leap year. Um, and they decided to start rolling under the, the Nicaragua Cigar Company uh, factory, and they, they founded Hoya de Nicaragua as the first brand of premium cigars. And that's how they started initially selling to the United States. Eventually, they went to, to the UK, Switzerland, and many other countries. Um, and it, that's since 1968. Eventually, the, the, the company was acquired partially by... by the, 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 the national dictator at that time, Somoza, uh, they moved from a small shop, or the factory was a small shop in the center of Esteli, to a bigger facility, uh, more in the outskirts back then uh, of Esteli, where it's, it's the same place where we are right now located. And not, not anymore the outskirts because the city has grown, but we continue to be located in the same facility. And... Um, during the, 19, during the beginning of the 1970s, it was actually the only cigar factory in, in Nicaragua. Eventually, you had other companies establishing themselves locally, some from, from, from the Dominican Republic. Some historical figures began also in Nicaragua, like the Fuentes. Their first factory was based in Nicaragua. Um, we even had some, some production being done at Nicaragua Cigar Company um, at the early, very early stages. Padron came from Miami uh, to Nicaragua in 1972. The Placencia family began. Uh, so this was like the first beginning or the first genesis of the Nicaraguan cigar industry. Mm. Started in 1968 by, this, by these two Cubans. By 1979, unfortunately, due to the Nicaraguan Revolution, um, all the factories were either shut down or closed and only one remained. It was nationalized to the hands of the state by the communist uh, Sandinista regime. Uh, in 1979, and uh, was the only actual cigar-making operation during the 1980s, uh, a decade that was very tough for Nicaragua because of the, of the political situation. We had a civil war that lasted almost the whole decade, and um, during, that dec during those years, uh, most of the production was managed, handled by, by women, because men had to be in the, in the army fighting the war that was happening uh, between Nicaraguans and Nicaraguans. Uh, parallel to that, we had a, a commercial embargo that inhibited uh, Nicaraguan products to be exported to the United States. So the factory operated uh, with difficulties and challenges, operated under a communist regime, so operated by the state during the 1980s. And then in the 1990s, after the peace came to Nicaragua, a, a democratic elections were held. The factory was privatized back to the hands of, 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 of their owners. That's when my family, my father in particular, gets involved in, in 1994 acquiring the company. Although he was involved with them a little bit earlier than that. 
Uh, and this is, I would say, the second genesis of the Nicaraguan cigar industry because by 1994, you see uh, people coming back to Nicaragua, growing tobacco again in Nicaragua, using the, the, the soil and, and the expertise. Um, and by 1996, we went, which was the peak of the cigar boom, we have more than 60 cigar factories established in Nicaragua. Um, and many well-known brands today started in that period, like uh, Rocky Patel, Drew Estate, Oliva, uh, Perdomo, are some of the names that actually began uh, in Esteli during the mid-1990s as a result of the cigar boom. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier, the cigar boom ended in 1998, and we went from having more than 60 factories in 1996 to having less than 20 of those by the end of the 1900s, by the end of 1999, um, due to the to this specific crisis and due to the hurricane that I also mentioned happened in 1998. So by the 2000s, uh, you know, the industry was in a very slow mode, uh, reduced scale capacity, uh, but eventually we started working again. and. Uh, I think by 2008, 2007, 2008, we have a pickup, another pickup of new companies establishing themselves in Nicaragua. I would call it the third wave of, 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 of growth of the Nicaraguan industry. So you have well-known factories like uh, My Father's Cigars um, and many others establishing themselves in the late 2007, 2008, 2009. Mm -hmm. And that's when the, the popularity of Nicaraguan cigars really, really picks up. So we went from doubling our production between 2009 and 2017. And today, Nicaraguan cigars are considered the best cigars in the world. I think uh, last year in 2019, it was between 18 to 19 of the top 25 cigars considered the best cigars in the world were made in Nicaragua and contain Nicaraguan tobacco. So I think we've come a long way over the past more than 50 years uh, from a small factory founded by a couple of uh, Cuban immigrants to becoming the, the, the epicenter of cigar making in the world. Absolutely. You know, it's an extraordinary story. And when you see, you know, I, I, if I think about, about the factory, I think about coming up the stairs and going into the Galleria and seeing, you know, Aristo's beaming smile and uh, and then maybe Panchita at the back, and um, and these are people that have worked for you, you know, for decades and decades and decades. And it's not it's not a normal it's not like a normal place of work, is it? No, it's not. It's a uh, for many people there, for many of us, it's like uh, more than a second home for people who have spent more than 50 years working there, going into the place, day in and day out, uh, people whose families work there or, or have worked there, or have a family heritage. Uh, this space, this environment, is, is, it's, it's way beyond uh, a workplace. And, 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 and moments like this show you that people do care for, for, for not only for the company itself, but for the people in that company. So people are doing a lot of taking care of their colleagues, their, their co-workers, uh, to taking care of themselves, to make sure that people continue to have that safe space, that security uh, that, that the factory provides them. It's, it's a magical place, not only because it's almost like a museum in the sense of, of being very old building uh, uh, and having a lot of history to its parts, uh, some positive, some dramatic history, uh, so people, in a way, feel feel the pleasure of, of working there. And they understand very clearly that what they do with their hands, day in, day out, uh, goes and travels around the world, is basically enjoyed by smokers around the world. We actually have a, a big painting in the, in, the, in, the, in the Galleria that you mentioned that says that um, in that room, we capture the flavor of our land but also that with our hands, we take the name of Nicaragua around the world. Because even though these people are locals in Esteli, Estelianos, they, their work that they do is being enjoyed in more than close to 70 countries around the world, in almost every continent in the world. People may not know where Nicaragua is, but they may know Nicaraguan cigars, and they may enjoy or have enjoyed Nicaraguan cigars. Yeah, absolutely. And they, that's very true. They're... Um 
their work you know brings a huge amount of joy and peace and contemplation to thousands of people and they do they do get that but yeah it is just and you said it was a magical place i'm glad you said that because i feel it is it's something something in the air and something in the walls and uh, yeah it's a, it's a very special place indeed and i'm i can't wait to get back there when all this madness has died down but um so what does today hold for you? One are the kids on holiday now? Are you you back to doing some uh, some daytime tutoring? Uh, actually, this this week they're off, so they're they're on holidays. Uh, we're not even doing basic math work. Uh, we should be doing. Last a couple of weeks have been interesting, and in that as 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 I was talking to a good friend of mine, I have found new respect for teachers. Oh, uh, this, yeah. this homeschooling, even though they have all the resources and the tools online. It's not easy, man. It's not easy. You require a special ability to deal with one and not, not to say 30 kids in one classroom, man. It's <laughs> impressive. It's impressive. But I've been enjoying them uh, a lot. Uh, we're working from home. My wife and myself are working from home side by side. So it's interesting. Um, I think it's, this, this has come to change uh, the, the conception of, of work, life work for, for those of us who have the opportunity to have this type of work, of course, this is not for, for everybody, but uh, I found myself uh, being a little bit more productive at certain moments. Interesting. Uh, be- before, I used to have a lot of me- meetings during the day, meeting after meeting, and I just realized that, that that's a lot of meeting time is actually a waste of time. Yeah. When, when, when a person comes to visit you for a meeting, you, you end up having an hour when you covered it in 20 minutes, but because they came all the way to you, you know, they traveled and everything and you want to spend more time. But in reality, you could, you know, solve the issue or take care of the topic in, in very quick, quickly. And this new technology of being connected, everybody doing teleconferencing work, it's, it's, it's interesting to see how our realities will change after this. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's, it's, it's very interesting to see how that will change from that perspective. But I also hope and, and think that people will be just a little more kinder because we all realise how much we rely on each other, right? You know, it's all very well that you can make great cigars and I can write about it, but at the end of the day, that doesn't save anyone's life or, you know, um, it's not like a, we're the, the health workers on the front line that we need, the people in the shops that we need to give us the food, the farmers that grow the food. Um, you know, I think perhaps society needs a little wake-up call, but then maybe this is it. What do you think? Definitely, I definitely think it is. Um, you know that that's the, all those people that you mentioned, uh, even the delivery people now that you yeah. know, are doing a lot of the the delivering groceries, pharmacies, and and and, and food to everybody. I think, uh, in a way, and, and I'm not saying it. I'm not this saying it. I'm not the first to say it, but those all of these people are heroes because. Um, you know, they're managing to, to dedicate their, their, while the rest of us are safe at home, they're on the streets. Uh, they're taking care of us from the medics, the nurses to, to, to the delivery guys. So I think we need to, to find, find the new appreciation for, for this type of work and for the people who are committed to doing it. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's just a nice chance for us all to recalibrate a bit, I think. And, and actually, the you know the good side of it, as you say, is that chance to spend time as a family. Which, you know, even when you you are at home, you don't often get that ch- chance just to sort of you can't go out, you can't jump in the car, go up the road, you can't go to the coffee shop, you know, you can't go to the to the shop unless you're desperate for food. So you're there. So you might as well <laughs> you might as well connect. And, um, and whilst, as you say, it has its it has its interesting moments. It's actually a Indeed. great blessing and. Uh, you know, and very humbling to think how fortunate we are, really. Um, yes. But we, we, on that note, I will. Um, I will. I know you. Uh, you want to enjoy the rest of your week. I'm sorry, I didn't realize it was a national holiday. So, no, expect- don't worry. I'm actually working the whole week, um, so don't worry. We're not taking holidays. Um, okay. It's a. Uh, it's it's holy week, so it's actually just uh, Thursday and Friday. But generally, people take the whole week. They in a normal time, people would go to the beach. It's like the middle of the dry season, summer, very hot here. So people would go to the beach and spend some time away. Um, but right now, I think uh, most everybody's staying at home and taking care of their people and staying safe. 
Well, this will be one of the sort of, was it 37 or something national holiday days in Nicaragua? Oh, yes. That's, <laughs> that's one of those. That's one of those. They do love a holiday. Well, listen, you yeah. go steady. Love to the family. Um, give my love to your mum and dad and your brother and uh, stay safe. You too, my friend. Take and let's care keep and, it... and say hello to the girls. Of course. And let's keep in touch. And um, as soon as we can, I look forward to sharing a drink and a smoke with you. Will do, my friend. Take Be care. Safe, stay safe. Take care of the family. All the best. Bye bye. Talk to you, man. Bye bye. What a pleasure, as always, to talk to Juan. He's one of my very favourite people, um, and I can sit for hours chatting to him. And that factory, again, the word in Nicaragua, factory in Nestlé, is just an amazing place. Um, and I hold in very high regard, as I do the rest of the Martinez family. Thanks ever so much for listening. Uh, thank you for your amazing response to uh, to our first podcast, um, or the first the first few podcasts. We've had uh, lots of uh, lots of really great replies from you saying how much you're enjoying them, um, and many more people than I thought have been listening. You're um, you're downloading and listening in your hundreds and hundreds. So it's great to see, and it encourages me to do a few more. Of course. Um, as always, I need to say that uh, Around the World in 80 Cigars is the name of a book as well as a podcast. Uh, it is uh, written by me and it's available uh, from www.nick-hammond.com. It's available on uh, usual book sites, school good bookstores, cigar merchants. If you're struggling to find it, please let me know and I will make sure that we get a copy to you. It's an interesting read, uh, telling stories about my weird and wonderful adventures over the years in a variety of interesting variety of interesting places. So, uh, and the feedback again on that has been absolutely superb. So, thank you again if you've bought. That's about it for this week. I hope you have a fantastic week ahead in whatever you're doing. Stay safe, look after each other. Until next time.